Welcome to Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and Tax Professionals. I'm your host, Mike Morton, Certified Financial Planner and Chartered Financial Counselor. And on today's episode, I share eight tips and strategies to maximize your tax savings or to pay less in taxes. Now, in this first episode, Matt and I cover the first three tips. And in the second episode, right after this in the podcast feed, are the following five. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Real Financial Planning, broadcast on WKXL 101.9 in Manchester, 103.9 FM in Concord, and 1450 AM everywhere. I'm Matt Robeson, and I'm joined, as always, by Mike Morton, the host of the outstanding podcast. I think it's outstanding because it frequently features me. (laughs) Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs and the owner of Morton Financial Advice. Mike, how are you doing? Doing great, Matt. I'm impressed you got all the channel dials there, dialed in all the numbers. That's awesome. It's exciting stuff. So for longtime radio listeners, you may know this, but WKXL dominates the center of the state and it's 103.9 FM and 1450 AM. So it's got a, a pretty good listening area, but it just doubled it and now covers the biggest city in the state of New Hampshire, Manchester, the Gate City. I don't know what that even means. As a New Hampshire person, I should really know this. I don't know what that means. A gate from where to where? Is it like the Golden Gate? It's not. I can tell you it's not like the Arch. There's no know. Arch. Right. I don't know what it is. Anyway, anyway right. the point is we're all over Manchester now, which is really super duper exciting. So Mike Borton, about a month ago, we did a show, End of Year Tax Strategies, and it felt premature We thought, "Eh, maybe people are not paying attention to this. But the whole point of that discussion was they really should be because there were a bunch of things you could do in order to get ahead of the game and that you really had to do at that point. But now we really are coming into the home stretch of the year. And it really is time to pull the trigger on all the tips and tricks that you can do to save on your taxes. So you have prepared sort of a holiday stocking stuffer of tax goodies. That doesn't sound like much. That's not a thing. That's terrible. That's terrible. Tax goodies is that thing. It makes me think of like an IRS auditor with a Santa beard. But the point is, you've got a sack full of ideas. We have some unknown number of ideas that we're going to cover. We're probably going to do this as a two-parter. So here we go. Here we go. Mike Morton, tax ideas. Start wherever you want. Start wherever you want. This is your domain. Yeah, we thought we'd go over some of these, and they're not necessarily year-end strategies. So some of them are or could be, but a bunch of these kind of apply throughout the year. So these are ways that you can maximize after-tax returns. So there's financial strategies to implement to save money on taxes. Now, just to be clear, there, there are two words when it comes to taxes. There's avoidance and evasion. One of them is legal. <laughs> You are talking about the legal one. What's the We are going to do here? the legal one here. There, yeah. You might have read some things in the newspaper about tax strategies. In fact, Matt, it's funny. I was just reading literally this morning about Amex and their uh, tax strategy proposals to small businesses and how they weren't quite the legal variety. So anyway. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. Everything <laughs> the, we see these here. Are. <laughs> listen, for, for those who are doing this, it's being broadcast, so it's not like the FBI is listening into us. We're not having our phones tapped here <laughs> or right. anything. But uh, big disclaimer, this is all legal stuff. This is all good yeah. stuff you can do, save on tax. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's just dive in. The first one is within your portfolio to favor index funds 
over actively managed funds. Why is that? So we've talked about index funds in the past. You and I are both fans of low-cost index funds, so just own the entire U.S. stock market in a super low-cost uh, fund, or you, you know own the developed markets in a low-cost index fund. And this is literally just tracking, as you know, that indice, and it doesn't cost a lot, so there's not a lot of managers having to buy and sell things. You can use computers to do some of that, have a few managers, but you're not actively doing research and figuring out what to buy and sell. You're just tracking the index, so it keeps the costs down, and the returns are fantastic. When you look out 10 years, the I think it's over 70-80% of actively managed funds underperform the index. So the index is outperforming 80% of actively managed funds over a 10-year time horizon. So the results are really good as well. So favor indexing over active managed. Why for taxes is that better? You have less trading Okay, so it keeps the cost down, it keeps the trading down, it keeps the taxes on those trades every time you have a gain. So when you're trading, you know this in your own account, you have a trade, you have capital gains, you're going to pay taxes on that. Same is true with actively managed funds. So favoring the indexing over the active keeps your taxes lower. Now, if you are in an active managed fund and you are accruing gains, hopefully gains, and, I mean, in this market, <laughs> yeah. probably gains. Who knows? Next year, we might be overpriced, so it might be a lot of losses. There are strategies that you've covered on this show for tax gain harvesting, tax yep. loss harvesting. So if you're not able to be to, to make use of this trick because you're in a, you're, a lot of your assets are in actively managed funds, you should still pay attention to those gains and losses, right? Because there's still stuff you can do with them. Oh, absolutely. And let me say this too, Matt. Yeah, you're going to have gains and losses in your own accounts. And so you want to, we'll talk about that a little bit later too. You want to be tax aware when you're making trades, okay? But these active, you don't have any control over that. So the managers making trades and having taxable distributions, and it might be a terrible year for you to you know have that taxable distribution. You're high in high income that year, about to retire or something. So, again, actively manage. You're not really in control. Whereas in your own account, you can decide when to take those gains or losses. Yeah, that's a, that was one of the episodes. For one thing, I, I, I am learning as I do these shows with you, and that was one of the episodes that was an eye opener for me that you could harvest tax losses. You can also harvest tax gains depending on your the kind of year you're having, what kind of a tax bracket you're falling into. So if that is perking up your ears, if you find yourself in this situation, check out the back episodes of Financial Planning for Entrepreneurs with Mike Morton. All of those episodes are in there. And I, that I found that one pretty instructive. Yeah. And I think we're going to get to tax loss harvesting. I think it f- oh. is further oh, down the this list. this is in your sack of goodies. <laughs> that's oh, right. Excellent. It's in there. It's in there somewhere. Is there anything chocolate in there that's not necessarily tax-related? That, that's <laughs> tax that's related better chocolate. to me. You know what this is? What we're doing is we're, we're being... We're being needlessly Christian about this. We should be a little bit more mm-hmm. Jewish about this. This should be the Hanukkah show is what yeah. it should be. We've got yeah, absolutely. Eight, eight nights, eight crazy nights of, of tax stuff. All right. <laughs> eight crazy nights. Here we go. <laughs> Before we go full Sandler on this, Adam Sandler, by the way, from New Hampshire. Let's. Uh, what's next? What else? I did got? not know that. Look, you're full of useful full information of as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, let's define on another show what I'm full of. Okay. So, all right. All right. All Number right. one is just in general, be in index funds. By the way, good general advice, right? Like, yeah, exactly. For multiple reasons, but it also falls under this tax idea. All right. Number two, using ETFs, um, exchange traded funds, rather than mutual funds. 
Okay. You're going to have to refresh me on exchange-traded funds because yeah, you've referred we to them on the show before. It sounds interesting. Tell me. Yeah, let me give you the, the refresher. There's ETFs. So there's uh, mutual funds. So how, 50 years ago, I want to get into a low-cost index fund or an actively traded fund. I'm uh, investing $10,000 in someone else managing that money either passively or actively. I put it into a mutual fund. And the mutual fund has a fund manager, and they're doing the trade, whether they're following an index or they're doing it actively. So that's a mutual fund. They settle at the end of the day and just a little logistics you run into. You put in ten, you do it by dollars. I want to put in $10,000 into this mutual fund, and it closes after the trading day. So between 4 and 5 p.m. is when you actually, now you own that fund and you buy it at the exact spot price of whatever is owned underneath. So if they own 10 stocks and it's a hundred dollars and you invest 10,000, <clears> you will get to buy it at exactly $100. Okay. There's no spread and like you and I negotiating, Hey, yeah, give me, I'll sell it for this or buy it for that. Okay. That's a mutual fund. An ETF is relatively newer, about 20 years, give or take. And it's a different kind of wrapper, but the exact same idea. I still want to invest in that index. So I still want to put in my $10,000. It's a different wrapper for the same type of product. It buys, you buy it during the trading day, okay? So during, when the market is open is when you will buy and sell. And it's literally just a different wrapper around the same thing. So you wanna buy the S&P 500, you can buy a mutual fund version, you could buy an ETF version, okay? So then the question is, what are pros and cons are different? What is, what's the different wrapper mean? I told you one is that the mutual fund settles at the end of the day for exactly the price of the underlying assets. ETFs have a little bit of a spread between the, we're buying and selling something like I'm transferring it to you. You say, I'll sell it to, for this amount. It doesn't really matter what's inside of it. We can just agree to whatever price you want to buy and sell the whole thing. Now, of course, it does trade at the underlying value. If, if there's 100 stocks in there and they're worth $10,000, you're going to sell it to me for $10,000 because that's what it's worth. But it's good to know that there's a little bit of a spread what's called a bid-ask spread, and they trade during the day. So you can get in and out of these things just like you can stocks. Mutual funds, you can only trade them once a day, whereas ETFs, you can buy and sell them like a stock all day long. I do not recommend doing that, but it is possible. So there's a couple of uh, answers to what mutual funds versus ETFs are. I have not told you the taxes yet, why it's good, but I'll pause there in case you got any questions on that. Well, that makes sense. So just to read this back, the whole idea going back 50 years ago is that it's a I'm going to stay with the holiday theme here. It's a festivus for the rest of us is that mutual funds gave individual investors a way to very easily get into the market yep. and participate. Yeah, that's it. And you don't have to be a stockbroker. <laughs> you don't have to be a high wealth individual. And that was a real change. And so what you're saying is the, the ETF is just building on that basic idea, slightly different approach. And it has this feature of there is a spread, but you have more flexibility of trading yeah. during the day. So, And then here's the other things that come in, why it's under this, how you can save in taxes. ETFs are more tax efficient. So if you hold them in your regular taxable account, mutual funds own stocks. Those stocks give out dividends. And so every now and then you have, uh, you're given a dividend and interest payments and you have to pay uh, dividend interest um, taxes on those distributions. Now, most people also know uh, when you buy a mutual fund, you can have them automatically reinvested, re automatically reinvest dividend interest back into the fund. So like you own a couple more shares, but you still taxed on that distribution. ETFs take that same distribution. They're going to give you a thousand dollars in uh, taxable, you know, cap, uh, not capital gains, dividends 
and interest is coming your way. They have to distribute that. Within the ETF wrapper, they can use buying and selling and not actually distribute that money to you. Okay, you still get, you still have it, but you're not taxed on it. And so that's why the wrapper gives it, is more tax efficient. I gotta say, this is one of the more complicated ideas we've encountered here on the show because it, it feels weird to me that you could have, this is like the old, you can have your cake and eat it too, which I never understood. <laughs> if you have it, you've eaten it. Like, how does one have something and not eat it? But the point is, you possess it, you own it, but you haven't ingested it. You, you, you haven't taken the distribution. Well, it's like, the, it's like that reinvesting. The same as a mutual fund. Say that $1,000, you choose to reinvest it. Okay, you don't actually have a thousand. You didn't get a thousand dollars in cash. You own a little bit more of the shares, but you still have to pay taxes. The ETF wrapper allows you to avoid a lot of those taxes. I see. So it is more tax efficient. Now we're not talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars here. We're talking hundreds of dollars um, throughout a year. But it still is more tax efficient. So that's why I always default to owning ETFs in taxable accounts because of the tax efficiency. And does this? <laughs> How does this relate to the overall directional advice of your first point? In general, mm -hmm. index funds tend to outperform actively managed funds. I assume are there there are, within mutual funds they're actively managed, non-actively managed. Is the same thing true with ETFs? Yeah, absolutely. So you can think of mutual funds and ETFs. There's the exact same universe on both sides. So which do you buy? It doesn't really matter. The, the fees are the same. What they own is the same. So look, here's the takeaway. Just use ETFs. Just use ETFs. <laughs> Low cost index funds, ETFs. Roger. All right. That's, that is actually, that's as straightforward as my brain can take. All right, look, <laughs> right. let's bang out one more of these. We're going to have to take a break in a okay. few minutes, but let's, let's do one more. What's number three right. on your hit list here? So we just were talking about holding ETFs in taxable accounts. That's just your regular kind of brokerage account versus, and when I say taxable account, Matt, it's your checking, savings, brokerage account, things where you are paying taxes on that money. So if you get interest, dividends, capital gains, buying and selling, you have to pay taxes. Right. There's two other types of accounts, tax deferred. Okay. That's your 401ks, traditional IRAs, or there's tax free. And that would be your Roth IRA or your Roth 401k, if you see the word Roth. Or your HSA is also a tax-free account. Okay? So three different account types. Now remind us, we've also done a number of shows <laughs> on this. But yep. just remind us for a second, the critical difference, IRA, Roth IRA. Yeah, traditional IRA and Roth IRA. The traditional, the word with a capital T, Traditional IRA means it is tax deferred. I have not yet paid taxes on that money. I put in $6,000, but I have not paid taxes on it yet. Eventually, the government's going to want taxes. So that's why it's called tax deferred. You pay taxes when you take the money out. So you're deferring taxes. Roth IRA is you've already paid taxes on the money. You put in your 6000 but you've paid taxes on that. It grows tax-free, and you're never going to pay taxes again because you've already paid taxes. So the point is, we're going to pay taxes once. Do you want to pay them now? Or do you want to pay them in the future? Okay, and that's the difference between traditional and Roth. And I really enjoyed that show about kind of the, and it, I'm going to spoil the plot here. It comes down to pay taxes when you're in a low bracket 
And so I, I think that's very useful in itself. And again, people can look that up, but all right. So let's, what's the punchline on this third? So this paper? is location matters where you hold, which assets can make a difference on your taxes or, um, only paying the taxes you owe, trying to save as much as you can in taxes. So let me give you a, for instance, if I have a bond an IOU, okay. And I'm making 5% of that's interest payments. So I get, uh, I put in a hundred thousand dollars and I get $5,000 a year of interest payments. Okay. Those interest payments, I'm going to owe taxes because it's interest. So if I'm in a 24% tax bracket, instead of getting $5,000, I have to pay what? $1,200 or so. Okay. So I only get less than 4,000. If, so that's in, if I have it just in a brokerage account, if I take the same IOU bond and I have it in my traditional IRA, when I get that 5,000 of interest, I do not pay any taxes on it. And so then that extra 1,200 bucks that you're not paying taxes continues to grow at whatever interest rate you're getting over time. Eventually you pay taxes, but that's the idea of the IRAs that you're getting that boost of deferring the taxes and growing with interest. Exactly. So your interest payments and dividend payments are tax deferred or tax free. If they're in a traditional 401k, traditional IRA, 403Bs, any of these kind of tax advantaged accounts, the interest and dividends you get are not taxed. Okay. Maybe they're taxed, never taxed if it's in Roth, or maybe they're going to be taxed in the future. So that's where the location of what you hold can be important. Now, so what do you hold where? Which types of assets do you hold? I just told you the bond example. So if you have high interest bonds, you want to put those in your tax-free and tax-deferred accounts. For your point, it compounds. Let that interest compound over decades and then eventually pay the taxes later on. Okay. On the flip side, ETF, you just talked about ETFs. Hold those in your taxable account. Long-term, you know, oh, I'm going to hold the, the total U.S. stock market in an ETF. Just hold that in your brokerage account. Not too many interest payments and dividends coming off of that ETF. And it's just going to grow and compound and you get to decide when to sell it and take those capital gains. That makes sense to me. And one of the takeaways that I'm having here, because I know a lot of this information is coming really fast to our listeners, even the people who are listening on podcast and can hit that 15 second rewind. But I think the upshot that I'm getting here is there are lots of small things you can do. Not really $10,000 savings here. It's a few hundred here, a few hundred there. That adds up. And so the idea is to package all these things together intelligently and it really does get you in a position of saving thousands of dollars. Here's what we're going to do, Mike Morton. We're going to take a very quick break for our radio listeners. We're going to end the podcast here. And when we come back in the next episode, we're going to talk about the rest of your grab bag of tips and tricks. So All we'll right, be back sounds in good. just a minute. 